Christmas. Yay. I love Christmas. As you notice from when Diane asked whose Christmas tree is up. Yep, nine days it's been up. It's <laughs> the way I roll. I love Christmas. Me and Tanya, we, we do. Absolutely love Christmas. And uh, we love to celebrate Christmas. And, you know, some people they say about uh, Easter. Easter's the big... You know, we, should, we should focus more on Easter. We should celebrate Easter more. And I say to you, yes. We should celebrate Easter more. And it doesn't mean that I'm going to celebrate Christmas one iota less. <laughs> we can do both. Okay? And why not? Why don't we just throw ourselves into Easter as much as Christmas? So, there we go. I've just, I've just completed a master, I've passed my master's degree in the wonderful subject. I know. That's why I told you. I, I need the affirmation. Uh, no, really. I did, I've just passed in this wonderfully named subject of missiology. Uh, if you're old enough, you always age people by their jokes, but I've got an ology. <laughs> See? Now, certain people under a certain age are thinking, idiot. Uh, what's he going on about? I don't know. But anyway, I'm not, gonna, I'm not a scientist, but I've got an ology. Uh, but actually, missiology is the study of Christian, the history of Christian mission and, and the, the method of Christian mission. And if you were to ask a missiologist, what is Christian mission? They will not give you a straight answer, I should think. They will have absolutely tons of different answers. You might be sitting there and thinking, well, Christian mission isn't just sharing the gospel. No, I mean, to Kenya with love, that's mission. Food bank, that's mission. What happens here, you know, the lounge affair, food share times here, that's mission. So much of what we do, if it's within that transformative context of Jesus Christ, is mission. And it's a vast subject. But over the last few years, actually over probably the last 50 years or so, there's been something else at work here and it's become an important part of the study of missiology. And that is when we look at missiology through the lens of something called Missio Dei. Slide here. Missio Dei, this is I said, quite a recent area that's really, people get very excited about. The mission of God. We look at things through the God of mission, not through ourselves. Translated, this is, sorry, this is what David, a guy called David Bosch, he writes a seminal work on mission, but he, he says this, that mission is not primarily an activity of the church, but an attribute of God. God is a missionary God. That's exciting, I think. And I would actually say very simply, God's mission if I were to do it, and I could probably do it in one word, which of course I'm going to expound on, but in one word, and it's this redemption. And you'll see there, there's two, if you Google it, there's two very simple definitions of that word redemption. The action of saving or being saved from sin, error, or evil, and the action, or number two, the action of regaining or gaining possession of something in exchange for payment or clearing a debt. God is all about redeeming his creation. Saving it, returning it to its rightful place. That's what he's doing in our lives, but that's what he does 
throughout all creation. That's what his mission is, redemption. Now today, I'll get where I'm going with this in a sec. You're just going to have to trust me. But I forgot my bottle of water. And I was panicking beforehand and Tanya's run about and she's got me a jug. So we're okay. It's okay, because I get a bit thirsty up here. So this is today, the reason we're starting talking about Christmas today, this late, I'm joking. The reason we're starting to talk about Christmas today is because today is the first Sunday of Advent. So this, I'm going to bring this together in a minute. So Advent, right, that word Advent, it means arrival or coming. So what I'm getting at here, what I'm talking about mission is here, we, as we start to celebrate Christmas, we are celebrating the arrival, the coming of God's mission into the world. Jesus Christ is the redeemer, the redemptive force. And as I read, read from the Job, book of Job last time I spoke, Job 19.25 says those wonderful words, I know that my Redeemer lives and in the, in the end he will stand on the earth. And the reality of Christmas is us saying, yes, he did. He did stand on the earth. Through Advent, this arrival and coming of God's mission is traditionally celebrated in three ways, which is incredibly helpful if you're preacher and you're looking for a three-point sermon so which is what you're getting today so three ways that advent is we, we can look at this time and which will hopefully encourage and inspire us and it is this that Jesus number one that Jesus did he came in the flesh a real person that lived and breathed and died and rose again amen yeah yeah it's great but also this is the second bit that Jesus comes to us now his arrival and his coming is continual work in us that follow him today. And it is also an invitation to those that still do not know him yet. And that finally, we remember that Jesus will come again. That's the truth. Yeah. Thank you. Christmas is about the reality of what has happened. Christmas is for us today and it carries hope for the future. And that's what I'm just going to unpack now. I keep on seeing out the corner of my eye. The mic put me off, so if I'm just fiddling, I'm sorry. So, I'll jump right in now. Just around 2,000 years ago, Jesus was born. There are no serious scholars... You're going to have to, really, there are no serious scholars. I, I love history as well. There's no serious historians who would even think about saying now that Jesus did not exist. None of them. They can all look back. There is such a wealth of evidence that the reality of Jesus Christ, he lived. And one of the things I like to do at this time of year, especially if I get a chance to speak, is remember how, Jesus, how much Jesus and his followers have impacted this world. It's one of those moments where we sit there and go, this is Jesus. This, this, I'll tell you what he's done. Okay, So I've got this list that I like, and I've reused it, I'll reuse it, I might use it again. It's always great to add to it as well. So here we go. Jesus Christ 
We use his birth as a point from which we record our years. The Cyrillic alphabet used by 250 million people today was invented by a follower of Jesus to share his words. The printing press was invented so that the Bible could be shared with a greater audience. Hospitals and orphanages were instituted, usually decreed when cathedrals and monasteries were built by followers of Jesus in reaction to the suffering they saw around them. Place names in every corner of the earth are named after Jesus or those who followed him. From San Francisco, Los Angeles, El Salvador, St Albans. It was followers of Jesus like Isaac Newton, Kepler, Faraday, Galileo, Francis Bacon and Charles Babbage whose discoveries in science have changed the way we live and look at the world. It was followers of Jesus like William Wilberforce who brought about the end of slavery. It was Christians like Martin Luther King Jr. who led the civil rights movement in the United States. So many people over these past hundreds of years who have worked towards positive change in their environments from Gandhi to Nelson Mandela have been inspired by this Jesus Christ. This is not to mention that our legal systems, in art, you've only got to think of Da Vinci, Michelangelo, literature, C.S. Lewis, Tolkien, J.K. Rowling, music from Beethoven and Handel, Elvis U2, Mumford and Sons, Justin Bieber, and Stormzy. Not to mention reformers like Elizabeth Fry of Florence Nightingale, and you've got Mother Teresa, Desmond Tutu, the Red Cross, World Vision, Saint Nicholas himself, and of course the biggest volunteer organisation in the world is still the church, and all of this because of Jesus Christ. And there's so much more, there always is, so much more that I could add, including the redemptive reality of the work of Jesus on the cross. I'd love to add to that list. I want to keep on doing it. I'd love to be saying, you know, next time I'm here, you know, and, 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 and Tanya Heasley, who did this, and Hannah Playford, who did that, and Martin, Bar, Martin and Barr, who did this. And it'd be great, wouldn't it, that we could just, let's go, look what we did. Look what, how Jesus has inspired us as a church. Look how Jesus inspired me individually. Let's go. Jesus did this. This Jesus born to a brave young lady in a smelly stable in some backwater in the Middle East. This Jesus who lived and died to save mankind. This is who we celebrate. If you don't know Jesus today, don't ignore him. And I've got to say this, if you think you're clever, right, if you think I'm a really educated person, I would not go anywhere near Christianity with a barge pole. Well, seriously, if you're an educated, clever person, I've just listed the person who's probably impacted the world more than anyone else. You're not that clever if you're going to not even read his words. Challenge you. If you don't know him and you think you're that, go and read the words of Jesus. They'll change your life. If you're a follower of Jesus today, go and read the words again. Go and look at the life of Jesus again. Concentrate on him. Him who inspires us. Re-inspires us. Jesus arrived. He came. He lived. He died. He rose again. God's mission in the flesh. And the reality of who he is. Who Jesus is. Not just a man, but God incarnate and alive. Brings me to point two. We celebrate we remember that Jesus arrived in our own lives. At Christmas, I can remember that Jesus has impacted me. And I hope he's impacted you too. And if you haven't been impacted by it, as I've said, you can be. And not only did 
Jesus arrived in my life. But we read these wonderful words in Hebrews. I love this. God has said, I like to, in verse 5, it actually says, God has said, which is a great way to start a statement, isn't it? God has said, there's your context, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. There's, I said, context there, declaration. God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. And then later on in the chapter, he also declares this, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. So, what I'm saying is, that Jesus that I just spoke of, the Jesus that came as God's redemptive mission to the world, born in Bethlehem, died on that cross, rose from that grave, the one who did everything that I've just listed, is the same Jesus that I know, and hopefully you know. It's the Jesus, the same Jesus. It's interesting the writer of Hebrew, Hebrews says those words up there. He says it in the context of being content, actually, if you took the beginning of that verse. And he says this, he says, and I think you've got to be careful with the word content. I don't think it just always means staying where you are. I think it's more to do with being comfortable with who you are and who he is. It's a stance in the way we face the world. So we take these words and we go, yeah, yeah, he's with me. He's, not, he's no different. And this is how I'm going to face the world. So, I have already said how much I love Christmas. Okay, if you're if you've ever been in church leadership, you've got to start thinking about Christmas maybe in June. Yeah, Graham, Kim, yeah, true. I'm sorry. So, which is great for someone like me. So you know, for me, thinking about Christmas in June is like, yeah, I can do that. Not being a church leader in my home life, I have been told I must wait until September. <laughs> so 1st of September, we do get the summer holidays out of the way, 1st of September. And then I put the tactical plans into place. Very important. I've got list after list. And you've got to make sure as well that there's the tactical buying situation that goes on. You know, I know when it's two for seven pounds with roses and, and quality street in Tesco's. Yes, indeed. You've got to wait for the one pound chocolate orange. Don't just go in and buy it any old time. If you start in September, you know, you can go every week. Different supermarkets, and when they come up, you know, you can get in there. That's the way you do it, isn't it? I think, but see, this preparation lists. I've got lists for presents. I've got lists for the Christmas cupboard, is what we call it, which has become a Christmas hoard. But, you know, and I, and I prepare and all this. But, and Tanya, tends, and especially this year, in fact, she said to me, you get too stressed, John. You get a little bit too stressed about your lists and stuff for coming up to Christmas. And then you might not sort of really engage with Christmas. How much, how, you know, you can miss the moment. I can miss the moment. I get all in the preparation. I get in all in my lists. I'm trying to make sure that everything's done on the list and I miss the moment. I don't give myself enough time to stop and be present and be still and enjoy what is going on and remembering why. It's not about the two for seven pound quality stream. I mean, it's important, but it's not about that. On, I have this little ritual, if you want to call it that, on Easter Sunday, which is important, where um, I read in all four Gospels, I read 
the, um, the, the moment when it is discovered that Jesus is risen. I love doing that. I especially love to read those words. And I, just, I go through the end of every gospel. I read them same words again in every gospel. He is not here. He is risen. You know what? On Easter Sunday, I read those words. That, that, that's my grounding moment. It reminds me, yeah, this is what your Easter Sunday is about. It's about Jesus Christ who rose, that he is not here, he is risen. And I said that grounds me in the truth, the reality of who he is, and, I rem- and remembering what I celebrate. So my suggestion this year to me and to you is to take some of those moments, ground yourself in the reality of who Jesus is, that he is the same today in our lives now, Maybe this is the thing I... Read the first two chapters of Matthew and Luke. It's only four chapters of the Bible, Christmas. (laughs) You know, take those four chapters, read them. Read them, remind yourself of this amazing reality, this amazing story that Jesus came. But if I was going to give you two verses, just just to put your hat on to put you in that reality, ground you. It'll be this in, in Luke chapter 2, verses 10 to 11. I love this. And of course, because we've sort of sung part of it today. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And I can remember, and you can too, that today... Today, Jesus is the Messiah. Today, Jesus is Lord. Today is good news of great joy. Today. And in that assurance, I can be content that this Messiah and this Lord with me today will never change and will never leave me. That is where we ground ourselves in. That Jesus is for us today. Christmas, we celebrate it today. And yet, there's more. Finally, Jesus is also our future hope. He will arrive again. He will come again. And in fact, the word Advent, I know sometimes I give you this little, trying to educate, I don't know, but I I just find these things interesting. Advent, the word Advent, it comes from the Latin word Adventus. Very good. But the Latin word Adventus, sorry, I sounded really Essex there. Adventus, you know. Adventus. Um, the word Adventus is um, translated from the Greek in the New Testament, the word parousia. Now, I know there's, a bit of, there's some people here thinking, I know that word. Yes, see, parousia is actually mostly used in the New Testament. In fact, 18 of its 26 times it is used. Talk about the second coming of Jesus. It's not in the Christmas story, parousia, but it is in the rest of the New Testament, Generally, mostly talking about when Jesus is coming again. The thing is, for many, Christ- for many people this Christmas, and as Diane there prayed uh, about Ukraine, some people aren't looking forward to Christmas. There's some people here, and don't worry, I'm not sort of doing some type of judgment sweep here, but some people are sitting there thinking, John's going on about Christmas. Well, that's great. He loves Christmas. This isn't going to be good for me. This isn't going to be fun. This isn't going to be joyful. It's not going to be celebratory. It's going to be hard. It might be an anniversary. It might be sickness. The financial pressure of the year. 
for some people, you know, this Christmas is going to be, you know, there's some Ukrainians in a war zone, there's, there's Kenyan children. And for some, it is going to be hard. There's going to be a struggle. You know, there's so many prophecies from the Old Testament about Jesus' arrival. Graham, last week, he mentioned Isaiah 9, verse 6, with them great words, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be in his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Amen. 600 years before Jesus was born. Love it. And I've already mentioned you know, about Job saying that my, you know, my Redeemer lives. And there's so many um, prophecies of Jesus in the Old Testament. But do you know the conditions they were written under? You, know, you think about Job when he says what he's saying. He's been stripped of everything he's got. His children have died. He's been, everything's been taken away from him. He's covered in scabs. He's really Ill. And yet he says what? My Redeemer lives. And I'll see him all the earth. Right? And then you've got Isaiah, Isaiah's times that he was living in, you know. The end for Israel's coming. And for Judah's coming. It wasn't really the most hopeful time. And yet Isaiah writes, you know, of something that's gonna be, of a hope for the future. The prophecies about Jesus, no matter when they were written in the Old Testament, they were all prophecies of hope. That hope remains. Jesus will return. All things will be made new. Jesus declares that the where you are now is not where you will remain. I'm going to repeat that. Where you are now is not where you're going to remain. If it seems hopeless, God declares no. There is, there is hope. This isn't the end. You will not stay where you are. And I notice sometimes that times like this and I was drawn to this was um, it's a good time to read Romans 8 verse 28 on its own I thought no I like context and I like a bigger declaration of things so I'm going to read I'm going to read Romans 28 8 28 to 39 and this is this is a declaration of hope to you I want to read go for that here we go so we start Romans 8 28 and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. That's a word of hope for you today. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. You will be glorified. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Oh, this is a sermon all by itself, isn't it? Hear that. If God's for you, who can be against you? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? You're not condemned. No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword as is written for your sake we face 
death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. That's great, you know, more than conquerors. Like that great hyper Nike. That's it, Dan. Look it up afterwards. Okay, more than conquerors. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Powerful stuff. It's a declaration of hope. God is for you. Who can stand against you? And nothing can separate you from his love. And he will come again. And it will be good. It's Christmas for some here. And some of you may know it may be hard. And I don't want to deflect from that. Or negate or devalue what anybody is going through. Just the other night I was watching. There's a new... um, Lord of the Rings, it's not Lord of the Rings, but New Rings of Power, it's called, based on Tolkien's work. And uh, in that series, near the end, got to be careful, don't do any spoilers. Uh, there's, a, there's, there's a lad, and he's, he's gone through all this stuff, and, and he says to the elf Galadriel, great, another good name, that is, he says, where is the design in all this? And she answers, I can't see it yet. And I just think the operative word there is get. If today, please, if you can just hear this truth that you are loved and there is hope. And even if you can't see it, yet, You are loved and there is hope. I pray that will help to come for you in some small way. And we as a church, it's a challenge for us to rise up, to be carriers of the hope and truth we know this Christmas in supporting those who are struggling. God's mission of redemption arrived in the flesh, in the person of Jesus Christ around 2,000 years ago, and that changed the world. And he is with me today, and he has changed me, and I hope he's changed you, Christ in me, the hope of glory. And I live in the hope and the knowledge that he will come again, and I shall not be separated from his love, but push on and carry his hope with me to others. And I'm going to be the first, I believe, to say to you all now, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you all. God bless. Thank you.